Hello, everyone. I'm Virginia Prodan, the host of Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcast, ADP Podcast, Network, and Player FM. Of course, you can watch it on uh, YouTube channel. We are so happy you are here. We are so happy that you keep in touch with us. You send us your questions, your concern, and you are so ready to be trained to be a strong and courageous Christian and leader, and no matter the circumstances that might come your place, and even under persecution. For some of you that don't know me uh, or never heard about me or about my book, Saving My Assassin, I want you to know that I experienced persecution in Romania under dictator Nicolae Ceausescu defending human and religious rights as an attorney. And by the grace of God, I'm alive. He is dead and I'm alive that I am here to encourage you that in God's power, you can do it too. You don't have to be afraid of persecution or anything or even what people will say because you are in God's hands. We also love, for those of you who might want to uh, buy the book, you can uh, buy the book at virginiaprotanbooks.com slash product slash book. But our podcast is also based on inviting courageous leaders to be at our podcast and to train us, to teach us and share with us how they started, how they uh, developed their ministry and how they impacted many, many lives. And one of those courageous leaders you will have a blast today. You will learn so much. Is Dr. Michael L. Brown. He's the founder and the president of Ask Dr. Brown Ministry and of Fire School of Ministry. He's also the host of daily national and syndicate, syndicated uh, talk radio show, The Line of Fire, and also host of TV shows on METV and, and, and RBTV. He holds a PhD in nearly Eastern languages and uh, literature from New York University, and he served at a very impressive numbers of seminaries. I will stay here for several hours to tell you the list of it. He will talk with you more about this. He's also the author of 40 books, and many of them that were translated into 12 languages. Dr. Brown is a national and international speaker, and his, he and his wife, Nancy, have been married for since 1976. I won't say the math. They have two daughters and four grandchildren. Dr. Michael Brown, welcome to our podcast. It is a joy to be with you. Let me say that one of the great moments in my life was getting to spend hours together with Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. So when you mentioned Romania, of course, they came to mind. What amazing fellowship, what courageous leaders they were, what examples they set for all of us. 
absolutely absolutely they uh, they had they live in Romania and they were some of uh, uh, the leaders and people that were persecuted that nobody took the case that was before I uh, I graduated from law school and I started in Romania and I started to defend uh, churches and pastors like them mm. yeah Yes, what a heritage. Well, what a joy to be with you. Thank you for having me. Would you tell us how you started? I believe it's important for our audience, video and audio audience, to understand how they how you started. So God saved me in 1971. I'm Jewish, but I was not a religious Jew. When I was born mitzvah at the age of 13, it, it was more of a social event for me, a big party than a spiritual event. I got caught up in the whole counterculture, drugs, rock scene of the 1970s. I started getting high at the age of 14. By the age of 15, I was shooting heroin. And then I got radically saved at the age of of 16, uh, set free from drugs overnight. And I was just in love with the Lord. He had changed me. My dad said, Michael, I'm glad you're off drugs, but we're Jews. We don't believe this. So he brought me to meet the local rabbi. So immediately, as a brand new believer, I was being confronted by brilliant minds uh, filled with great traditions of centuries challenging what I believed. And that's all I've known over the decades when God called me to do further study. So I, I got a, a bachelor's degree in Hebrew, then master's and PhD in Near Eastern languages and literatures. I never studied with another believer. I was not in Bible college or seminary. So every professor differed with me and some were very hostile. But I determined early on, I have to follow God and his truth wherever that leads. If it means rejection, if it means hatred, if it means my people turning against me, if it means the church turning against me, I just have to follow God and his truth wherever it leads. And and early on, the rabbi gave me a book about anti-Semitism in church history. And he wrote a letter to me that I still have, the physical copy of the letter, where, where he prayed that I would have the courage to follow the truth Reverend led in, and I thought that's something that's characterized my life. And you know, once you know something is right in God's sight, you have to do it. It's not even a matter of mustering up the courage when you know it's right, when it's when it's written on your heart. What else can we do but honor God? But that's how I got started, and that's played a key role in my life over the decades. I I would love, I'm sure that our audience, I would love to know. How exactly happened? Did you go to church? Did you talk with someone who shared the gospel with you? How was Yes. So my two best friends, I play, we played in a band together. I was the drummer, the guitarist, the bassist. And we were very, very close. We hung out every day. We, we did drugs every day. We played with our band every day. They became friendly with two young ladies who were also living the way we were living. But their dad had been praying for them. He was a born-again Christian. Their uncle was a pastor. So little by little, the girls started going to the church services. Then my friends started to go just to spend time with the girls. And they would report back to me about the church teaching about end-time prophecy and things like that and the visions of the book of Revelation. So we found it all fascinating, but we didn't believe any of it. Little by little, God started to draw them in. They began to preach to me. I didn't like it. I thought it was going to divide our band. So I went to the church to talk them out of their beliefs and to ridicule what was happening. 
a small church, maybe 50 people there on a night service, but the people there began to pray for me. I didn't know it, but they began to pray and the Holy Spirit began to convict me. And when I finally went back to a second service later in 1971, for the first time, I believed that Jesus died for my sins. And now I had the great conflict because I loved my sin. I didn't want to change the way I was living, but I knew it was wrong in God's sight. I wrestled for about five weeks. And then December 17th, 71, couldn't wait to get to the church service that night. I mean, the day before I was doing drugs, it was back and forth, back and forth. But that night, when I encountered the joy of the Lord, it revealed to me the love of God. And with the revelation of the love of God, it revealed to me the filthiness of my own life and the the ingratitude of my own life. And right then and there, I said, Lord, I will never put a needle in my arm again. That was my point of surrender and was set free from that day on, December 17th of 1971. Wow, that is so beautiful. Uh, I want to just uh, uh, outline something that you said that is precious to me and I believe is precious to everyone. The power of prayers in parents' life for their children and also later on your friends praying for you and even members of the church. It helps us to understand that we should not look down on anyone, on drugs or making fun of us or something, because God has an amazing plan for each life. And you can see in God's power that life transformed, like your own life was transformed. Yes, I, I was a rebel. I, I was a mocker. I was a heavy drug user. I had nicknames, Drug Bear and Iron Man, because I could put such large quantities of drugs into, into my body. So if you wanted to say this person will never believe, that was me. And Jewish on top of it, I had no interest in God, but I didn't believe in Jesus at all. That was totally foreign to me. And yet, without me knowing it, these people in the church, older people, 60s, 70s, you know, the, to me, they were ancient. They, they couldn't read Hebrew or Greek. Probably none of them had a college degree, but they knew God and they prayed for me and the Holy Spirit chased me down and the Holy Spirit brought me under conviction. And to me, when I tell parents when their kids are away from God or spouses and the spouse leaves, God answers prayer. He will not force his will on others, but he knows how to bring us to the end of himself. Pray, pray as if God was really listening because he is. Amen to that. That is so, and I hope it's encouraging for parents that have prodigal sons or parents that have sons that refuse or, or, or daughters um, that refuse to communicate with them or whatever the situation might be. Prayer has a, a powerful influence in our lives. And many times just keeping your mouth shut and praying can do more than anything in this world uh, as a parent, you know, uh, because you want, you want them to return to Christ. You want them to have a relationship with you. But God loves them more than we love them. So that, that's good. One other thing that you said that it's powerful because I experienced that. 
is you said that when you know that following Christ is the right thing to do, nobody can shake you. Nobody can move you away. And it's so true because even under persecution in Romania, under house arrest, or when I was interrogated and beaten and tortured and full of blood and everything, I knew that I was there by God's grace and I knew that I was there. So those those cruel people were able to see Christ in me. And I do remember telling them, I don't like what you are doing, but God loves you and I choose to love you. You can read more in my book, Saving My Assassin. But that was the essence. I knew that what I was doing, it was something that God put me to do it. It was right. And I was in God's hands. And I hope that that will uh, encourage people, especially right now, when we have others in America making fun of uh, of Christians or even threatening them that they might lose the job or, you, you know, if they don't lower or refuse to follow Christ. Yeah, you know, many people will say to me, it must have taken a lot of courage to do that. You know, I've, I've had to deliver messages in areas where they could be life-threatening, you know, being with a colleague in India with, with militant Hindus in the crowd that shut the meeting down, you know, came on the platform with knives and razor blades in their hand and shut the meeting down, took the mics away from us, or some very challenging messages to bring in in hostile territory where we knew there could be tremendous resistance. But I tell them, I, I really didn't think of courage because once God laid the message on my heart, that's all I was thinking, well, I have to bring this message. These people need this message. Some years ago, when we began dealing with some very difficult cultural issues, and I was going to do a lecture series on homosexuality, the church, and society, uh, an attorney, a Christian attorney, called me, and he said, Mike, have you thought through the consequences? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, every group has crazies, and you may stir some people up, and they may come after. I said, I don't understand what you're saying. He said, well, I'm just saying that you may get physically attacked. Have you considered that? I said, I said, I crossed that line when I got saved. My life belongs to Jesus. We don't, we don't calculate based on that. No, I've never been through what you've been through and what others face around the world, but we can only obey in the sphere that we have. You know, my new book that I know we're going to talk about, The Political Seduction of the Church, the same thing. People say it must have taken a lot of courage to write that. Well, it's the truth. As far as I understand, I, I'm speaking the truth. As far as I understand, I have a burden from God. And once you're gripped with that, that's really all you're conscious of. You, you pray for others. You want them to hear. You pray for grace to deliver it. But it's not about us. We've been bought with a price. We belong to the Lord. Our lives are not our own. Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after him, we have to deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow him. So we die to this world. We die to self. We now live to do the will of God. That's not extreme. That's normal. That's the basic gospel. And, and that's why the saints that you knew in Romania, they could be so strong in the midst of terrible persecution because they had already given their lives to Jesus who had died for them. That is so true. And um, you you are so right about how you explain this because our lives does not belong to Christ. And many times I say to people, I don't know if they have the capability to understand because my experience helped me 
to understand that. And I've actually experienced that because when you go through hard situation, and it was in Romania and it's now in America. I am an ally attorney with Alliance Defender Freedom, defending uh, Christians and, uh, and human rights cases. I go and speak all over America and all over the world. And sometimes people are hostile. But when you have that assurance that Christ is with you, that he sent you there, you have the Holy Spirit who gives you the right words, the words that are uh, so full of love and truth, both together. So many times they, they will understand that because we express that in truth and love. They understand that we are the one that we take the risk because we love them and we share the truth with them. And we are okay with them to say whatever they want because we believe the Holy Spirit will take them from the tent of the evil one to the cross of Christ. And many of them are accepting Christ because they see that um, communion of truth and love in us and in our actions and deeds. Yes, absolutely. And it has to be about others. It's not about us. It's, It's about others. Therefore, if we're moved by love for God and love for others, we can't be stopped. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, what, what happens though, uh, in a country like America, we have two major political parties and, and the issues that separate us are very, very deep issues. And it's easy to, to make politics and issues the main focus, whereas Jesus has to be the main focus. And then we get involved. I, I have many friends who have worked with the ADF Alliance Defending Freedom, and they are doing such a critically important work. And they've won major cases going to the Supreme Court. That's their role. That's their calling. We get behind that. We support that. But every one of us has a calling to love God and love our neighbor. Every one of us has a calling to be a witness. Every one of us has a calling to be the salt and the light. And in my new book, The Political Seduction of the Church, which discusses how millions of American Christians have confused politics with the gospel, I show how we we got our eyes on the wrong goal, that we became more concerned with winning the elections, with winning the lost. We became more devoted to a political party than to one another. We became known as the followers of a political candidate more than the followers of Jesus. We wrapped the gospel in an American flag, and because of that, we lost much of our power, much of our witness, uh, much, much of the reputation that we have, because you cannot marry the gospel with politics. They intersect, but they cannot be married. So if, if we have love of God first, love of our neighbor first, and we are involved politically for the good of our country, but we realize that's just one arm of what we do, like the ADF, the legal arm, that's another arm. Those that feed the poor, that's another arm, but we must be gospel-focused winning people to Jesus, lifting up Jesus, known as the Jesus people more than anything, that is the key to blessing on America, a healthy church given to the gospel. That's the key for the well-being of the nation. That is so, you are so right on that. You know, um, 
people realize more than that what you said when they see me speaking in public because I'm under five feet tall. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Romania, I was 82 pounds. I live in America for 30 something years. So I am around 100 right now. And people realize that it's not about the size, it's about the Christ in me. That Christ yes. never sent me to protect or to talk with Republicans or, or Democrats or uh, the ones in the middle. Christ sent us to save the world, the souls, and he does it through us. He doesn't take uh, us and, and say, you are powerful, you are strong. No. He gave us skills and talents and position and place of influence to use this where we are. We, you are right. Each one of us, we are a messenger, ambassador for Christ. And first is the power of Christ. We can do anything without Christ. In fact, in my book, Saving My Assassin, I am telling people that God wrote his story in my life long before I scribe it in my book, Saving My Assassin. And God is still writing his story in my life. And God wants to write his story in each one of us life because he has a different, we have a different path, a different, we are like a mosaic, a little piece in the big picture of Jesus Christ for the darkness that is around us, the light that we, each one of us are. Yeah. And, and, when we recognize the calling of the church and the supremacy of Jesus, we put everything else in its proper context. When I was writing the book, The Political Seduction of the Church, and talking about where we had gotten off and where we had made a tool into an idol, I felt something was missing. And, and I wrote a chapter and put it as chapter two in the book, that the church of Jesus is transcendent. And, and I felt it was important to paint a picture of our high calling in God, that we already are citizens of a heavenly country and seated in heavenly places. And now we come down into this world as his ambassadors and messengers to make an impact. Yes, we want to see an impact politically. Yes, we want to see an impact in the courts. Yes, we want to see an impact in the schools, but it must come out of our high and lofty calling in Jesus. And I think that the key for all of us is to renew our first love for him to renew our, our first love for the, for, the, for the lost and those who don't know him. And instead of thinking, well, you're Republican or you're Democrat or you vote this way or that way, it's do you know the Lord? Are you in right relationship with God? Are you living for him? If we can get the church living for biblical values, think of this. When we have darkness, the problem is not the darkness, it's the absence of light. When we turn the light on, the darkness is dispelled. So if we can look at our lives, the sin in our life, the compromise in our life, the fear in our life, if we can be renewed in God and turn away from that which is wrong and destructive, now we can shine like light. We can be God's ambassadors in this world, and we can make a difference that will help everyone. Yes, yes, that that is so, so true. And we have to remember that God's words says, if my people, we are 
he's instrumental changing changing the culture he said if my people will turn from their wicked way and i know the church and uh, us individually as christian many times they we have troubles thinking that we there are wicked ways in us but the holy spirit can show us that there are and turn from those wicked ways repent seek his face and he will heal us and he will heal the land that's that's the essence god is the one yes we want good and and christian um um people that will follow christ to be in politics and school and so forth but god will change them not us we are only the messengers the ones bringing the light to them and the holy spirit will change them yeah absolutely and we want to see laws change we want to see bad laws change but the way to do that is by changing people's hearts and absolutely. that's where that's where it must start and when when we say only this candidate can save america or only this party can save america no only jesus can save america so we get involved. It's the priorities. It's the when I talk about political seduction, I don't mean that we shouldn't be involved politically. I mean that we should have it in the right order. And and, and then out of our love for God, our love for our neighbor, our passion for Jesus, our, our our holy living, then we get involved in all these other spheres, and then it can go well. When we turn it the other way, we lose our focus and we hurt our witness. That is so true. The reason my book is called Saving My Assassin is because the dictator was so furious with everything that I was doing, exposing him, because I know, unknown to me at that time, all my cases became part of uh, United Nations reports on human rights violations mm. and part of United States reports on human rights violations. And the dictator wanted to kill me. So he sent a new client to my office. And this new client, six, ten feet tall, uh, came later in day, uh, the day, just in time when my assistant was leaving the, the office. She introduced him. And when he heard that she closed the door to, to the office, he pulled his jacket, took his gun and pointed to me and said, I'm not your client. I'm here to kill you. But the mm. Holy Spirit, you, you can read more about this, but I wanted just to give you a synopsis of this, what God is capable. I heard the Lord as I was trembling and I was fearful that I'm going to die. I heard the Lord saying, share the gospel with him. And I shared the gospel with him and he accepted Christ. Praise God. No Praise person God. is outside of God's power to change his life. 20 years later, as I came to America, I um, learned English. I went to law school for the second time here in the United States, in Dallas, Texas. One day in my law office in Dallas, a new client came to me. He had a case, he explained it, and all of a sudden he looked at me and said, Virginia, don't you recognize me? I thought, who is this man? And he showed me his uh, um, Securitate ID. For a second, I relived that moment in Romania. Mm. I recognized that he was my assassin. And then we started to share what God is doing in uh, our lives. Amazing. And I shared with him that I am writing my book. 
and he asked me to let him write a chapter in my book. And today you can read in my book not only my point of view, but his chapter and what God is doing in his life. Remarkable. Every person, every person has a soul, and you ascend or people come into your life for a reason, and God can do amazing things. What God is doing in his life, it's absolutely amazing, and I hope that people will be encouraged that we have a role. Uh, the church has a role, but every member of the church has a role in God's kingdom. Yeah, that's what a beautiful story. Yes, thank you. Only God can do that. You cannot take credit for that. I mean, it's beyond imagination. So God is just absolutely amazing. Dr. Um, Michael Brown, please tell us, when all of us, where we can find your book and about your ministry and, sure. and so forth. Absolutely. So the political seduction of the church, you can order that Amazon, any of the booksellers are on my website, askdrbrown.org, A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org. We've got thousands of free resources for you. I've written over 2,000 articles that are posted there. My daily radio show also does live streaming on YouTube and Facebook. So ask Dr. Brown, A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org. A part of our ministry is devoted to Jewish outreach we tackle the difficult moral, cultural, biblical questions every day, and lots of resources available there, and the new book, The Political Seduction of the Church. So we serve as your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. And, you know, Virginia, as you share that testimony, I'm thinking of the radical activists that are anti-God and anti-Bible and the pro-abortion activists and the transgender extremists. And I'm thinking God can save those people. Those people that maybe are political or ideological or spiritual enemies, we should really be praying for them. Yes. Those that are our political enemies, we should really be praying for them. Because just as he radically saved me and radically saved the man sent to assass assassinate you, that's our God. He's targeted some of those people for salvation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so very much, Dr. Michael Brown, for coming here and for everything that you pour into our souls and into our mind. My joy. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for being here at Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time on podcast, uh, Spotify, uh, Podbean, Apple Podcast, Edify Podcast Network, and of course, you can watch it on our YouTube channel. Thank you so very much for your desire to be trained, to be strong and courageous, and to be a tool in God's hands. And I hope that you will take Dr. Brown's um, wonderful, brilliant ideas and suggestions to heart and you will apply them again. Go to his website and try all the resources that he has there because they will enrich your life. Until next time, God bless.